A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode 49. That's it, Indy. Of Corovisation. Uh, oh, wow. That was some energy, that was. Friends. <laughs> a little delay once again on this episode. I've still been suffering, really, from chronic illness flare-up that I had last week. Although, I do think today what I was experiencing was a caffeine withdrawal. I went to a gig on Saturday night, not drinking at the moment because of the said flare-up. It's just not worth it. But I had a couple of Red Bulls because I'm fucking knackered. Maybe four. <laughs> and a couple of Coca-Colas too. They also have caffeine in. And um, oh, fuck me up. Honestly, Sunday, loads of energy. Monday, killer headache. Oh, God, the fog. Honestly thought I was getting sick or something but it's honestly just only occurred to me today briefly before I began recording this very episode I was like (gasps) Google's caffeine withdrawal symptoms Google says caffeine withdrawal symptoms may include nausea headache and cloudy mind and I was like obviously of course what the fuck why did I not realize this So I had a Red Bull, and uh, surprise, my headache's gone. I hate that that's a thing. I hate. (laughs) But uh, here we are. Like, it it could be worse. Uh, A few years ago, it would have been me drinking my body weight in Jack Daniels and Coke. So at least I didn't have a hangover. I just... My body just (laughs) needed caffeine to physically function. Exactly. Thanks for that. (laughs) So what Indy's trying to say is, as an ADHD person, thanks, thanks, buddy. As an ADHD person, my brain does benefit from stimulants. Um, That's what ADHD medicine is. It's prescription speed amphetamine a stimulant it uh it it does something to my brain something to my dopamine serotonin and um other things in my brain almost adhd out of my own sentence then (laughs) but basically it helps us 
function in a more neurotypical way. So that's why I consume a lot of caffeine. But uh, easily overdone. Clearly, at the tender age of 30 years old, I, Rebecca Crow, had a caffeine hangover. Thanks, Indy. Thanks, buddy. That's enough about me. Uh, this week, I've got an entire episode that's also all just me. <laughs> you thought I'd have a guest. Uh, <laughs> how organized do you think I am? Indy's my guest. Just kidding. Just kidding. You don't want to hear this dude meowing for eight hours. Or even one hour. Trust me, he's very persistent. Okay, friends. <laughs> Keep the feedback coming. Keep the subscribing coming. Thank you so much for your support. Anyone that's left a review on this podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts, literally, even just saving it to your favorites, giving us a five-star review. You don't have to even write any words, but if you do have a moment to just tap out 150 characters, that's about a tweet, um, then it's so appreciated. Thank you so much. Everyone who's done that, everyone who shared their favorite parts of the episodes on, on their stories. I haven't been active on socials this last week, so I have missed a few. I'm really sorry that I didn't share them when they expired. But um, yeah, it's really awesome to hear back from you guys, especially on stuff like ADHD and chronic illness. So keep them coming, friends. Keep them coming. Yeah. If you want to send me a message or follow me anywhere, you can find me at Cats and Crows, K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. Uh, you can also find every single one of my links on my website, which is catsandcrows.co.uk. Same spelling. Oh, yeah. Okay, beautiful humans. Let's dive on in. This is a very fun episode. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to speak about this for a while, but um, it's only just occurred to me that this is the perfect place for it to be spoken about because I can get so much more in-depth with it. Oh, we love the nitty-gritty and the nuance and the context and all that, don't we? Yeah. Oh. So this episode, friends, is all about my experience of getting BBL surgery. That's right, Brazilian butt lift surgery. Enjoy <laughs> the graphic details on episode 49 of Provocation. <laughs> Hi, beautiful humans. Uh, welcome back in to the soft bosom that is my voice. <laughs> I've been really enjoying these monologue episodes. I used to hate having to speak without anyone else for an hour. Oh, I really like it now. And I've, um, I've managed to iron out a few bad habits of mine too while recording. <laughs> uh... So hopefully this will become a more audibly bearable slash enjoyable experience for y'all. That would be good, wouldn't it? That's almost like 
It's the whole point of a podcast. Not to jar you, but to soothe you. Or maybe not. Maybe to exhilarate you. Who knows? Who knows? Tell me what you think my podcast does, because I still don't really know what it is. But in that undefinable space is where I thrive, I think. Who knows? You let me know. I really enjoy hearing back from y'all about my podcast. Uh, The messages have been just dribbling in slowly, just a a slight dribble. Um, And I'm hoping for more of a cascade. So do, do get in touch. Um, I did mention a few weeks back that I'll be having guests on very soon. I was hoping to sort that for episode 50, but it's looking like it might take a little longer because I am the one doing the bookings. <laughs> um, whoopsie doodles. Sorry for everyone wasting on a reply from me. There's there's more than average right now. Yeah. Sorry, friends. <laughs> okay, so this week I thought I'd make it a slightly more light-hearted one. In fact, this is extremely light-hearted. Um, I wanted to tell you all in great detail about my experience <laughs> of having BBL surgery abroad in Turkey during a global pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, it was a thing. It was a thing. And I'm frustrated with Instagram, what's new there, because my entire experience was documented on video on my, what was my new Instagram account, which is now my old Instagram account that they have also deleted, but they deleted it when they brought back my an old Instagram account, which is now my only Instagram account, which is Cats and Crows. I won't do it again. Don't worry. <laughs> and um, but yeah, basically I've lost thousands, not thousands, hundreds of questions in the Q&A. It was so informative. And it was a real struggle for me to find things like that when I was personally looking into BBL modifications and surgeries and options and flavors and all that sort of thing. It was so, so useful having real people that I knew or at least have followed for some time online talking about their experience in person. So I tried to recreate that, but uh, thanks, Instagram. You fucks. (laughs) So here we are once again. I don't have any of the questions, but I can pretty much remember... Most of them. Yes, they're, they're, they're good questions. And um, I answered them, I've answered them several times over for friends and people that I've spoken to about this. And I'm happy to talk about it again because, A, it's really interesting. Like, it's the science bit, the, the surgery bit, all of this is of great interest to me. And um, B... Knowledge is power. So let's spill the fucking tea. 
on my ass. <laughs> Before I begin speaking about my personal experience, it is my moral and worldly duty, I believe and feel, to speak about some of the issues surrounding cosmetic procedures, cosmetic surgery, body modification, and those topics and the surrounding conversations. There is a lot to say about cosmetic surgery and the culture around it being quite harmful. And this is something I can't really dispute. There are, like with most things in life, pros and cons and positives and negatives. And this can also include a great deal of nuance and context. So it's very difficult to put a one blanket rule ruling over all cosmetic procedures. That being said, all stigma, that's right, all stigma, all judgment, and all shame surrounding bodies and body stigma is fucking harmful. It is fatal. I'm not going to get into the darker side of body image and horrific diet culture and horrific shame around altering your body. Ultimately, it's your body, for fuck's sake. So that's not the conversation we're having today. The conversation we're having today is about my ass <laughs> and everyone else who chooses to modify or to not modify their booty and literally the rest of your body. There are procedures to alter almost everything. Everything about this. So I feel the reason that in my industry, sex work, a lot of people have had procedures, cosmetic procedures, ranging from something uh, from like a facial peel, which is just a like a, a treatment on your face, through to implants, which are done under general anesthetic, generally seen as the more hardcore end, um, to other procedures such as liposuction, which is can vary massively depending on your procedure. Um, so I see this all, all the time in my, in my job. Yes, in my job, it's a job. And I think that one of the reasons this happens is because of course, sex workers create a fantasy. That is what we are selling. We are selling ourselves as a concept and that concept is a fantasy. And for many people, that fantasy can extend to the physical world. So that's just how it is. And to go alongside with that, it's fundamental to understand that different ways that we modify our bodies, the different levels, you can't see my air quotes, but 
I am air quoting here, the different so-called levels of cosmetic procedures is simply different boundaries that different people have with their own body. So if you're about to shame somebody for getting implants or getting lip injections or hell, getting their brows microbladed, even getting a face tattoo, lots of people like to take the piss out of people that do that. But um, yeah, all you're doing is shaming their boundaries and that makes you look like a wanker. Don't do that. Ugh. <laughs> now I'm shaming you. God, it's so difficult. What a world of shame we live in. Right. That's enough about the, uh, the serious side of uh, body modification or more to do with cosmetic procedures. Obviously, you can't see me here. You might know me outside of this podcast. You probably do. I'm covered in tattoos. So when I say body mods, I really do mean... All the things, piercings, you know, some people, I know of some people who have patches of their skin removed or implants put in their forehead, metal ones, you know, body mods, plastic surgery, no, cosmetic surgery, that's the better term, is honestly just variations of that. Humans have been doing it forever and many indigenous people still practice these things, so before you start getting a scarification, please do check the cultural relevance to yourself. But uh, yeah, everything is art and art can be appreciated by all. So, back to me, my experience. Why did I want to get the BBL procedure? The BBL procedure, for those of you that don't know, and if you don't know, and you've got this far into the podcast without Googling it, it means the Brazilian butt lift. BBL, Brazilian butt lift. That is because it was pioneered by a Brazilian cosmetic surgeon um, who was actually a philanthropist and very generous, caring man from what I have read about him. He um, treated thousands and thousands of uh, Brazilians who had suffered incredible burns, I believe, um, all over their bodies, um, and he treated them all for free, despite there being no national health care. Um, and I think he's got a, he's founded a hospital, so it's not all about the ass, but he is directly, directly responsible for, I think, coining the term, or the coin being termed, around him for Brazilian butt lift surgery. The procedure itself. What the fuck is a Brazilian butt lift? Now, different things are called a Brazilian butt lift, but the surgical version of the Brazilian butt lift, BBL, is <clears throat> fat cells, lipo, li lipids, I think. I should have I should have looked this up. This is poor form. Fat cells, we'll call them fat cells. The fat cells within your body are basically taken from one area and transplanted to your ass. They can take these cells from anywhere that they are on your body. Something that lots of people don't know about these type of cells, they have a finite amount in your body. 
So what I'm saying is they will, when you gain weight in a sense of gaining fat deposits in your body, these cells will expand. And then when you lose that stored fat, these cells will shrink. So they don't multiply as such. So the science behind the Brazilian butt lift is if you move these cells from one part of your body, put them in your ass and allow them time to heal and establish a blood supply, they will then stay there permanently for the rest of your life. And they will also act just as I've described. They are still your fat cells. There's a very low, in terms of transplants, very low chance of rejection since it's, it's your biomaterial. And uh, that's it. That's how you get the big, jiggly, wobbly-bobbly, Rick and Morty-esque BBL ass. Yes, my friends. And that is what I wanted. I've... <laughs> I love asses, friends. <laughs> What can I say? I, I'm i thinking about them now, and I've got that glassy-eyed look. <laughs> I love asses. Big, jiggly butts. Big, oily butts. Oh, God, don't they just make you feel better? <laughs> That's the joy they bring me. They make me laugh with pure... Ass adulterated, unassed. No, I'm not gonna try. With pure ass joy, a hundred percent booty loving happiness. Anyway, I got distracted thinking about butts. Then I wanted one of those butts. Now, something that frustrates me a lot about being a person who is in scheduled in to have a cosmetic procedure. Sometimes when you tell people. You say, oh, I'm getting a procedure on my, this body part. And that person that you're speaking to will say, oh, but you've got a great, this body part already. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Doesn't have to be something, the word wrong is totally wrong, but there doesn't have to be something that you dislike about a body part to change it. I don't dislike my skin. The way it is, I just think it looks better with tattoos on it. Yeah. And my nose definitely looks better with these chunks of metal in. Ask me again on a cold day. <laughs> so there. This is a, a big problem and a big indicator of the widespread nature of internalized cosmetic surgery stigma. Um, I think it definitely comes from the horrible tabloid and diet culture thing of shaming mostly celebrities, but probably regular people too, if they can get their hands on them, shaming people for having these procedures and therefore creating a business around botched cosmetic procedures right like ugh, 
if they can make us insecure about our bodies, that's one way of selling us things. But then to make us insecure of our bodies after we've already already conformed to their body standards. Yes, I'm saying here that cosmetic procedures are stemming, of course, from the idealized body standards of society. If I didn't know the big oily asses were a thing, I wouldn't want one, yeah? I think it's quite simple that way. But it's not to say that I am giving in or or that I am a victim of this. If I am taking the choice to have this procedure in my own fully aware state of mind and not through the coercion of anyone else or any other narrative, then that's empowering to me. In the same way that taking my clothes off is empowering to me, taking my clothes off and getting paid for it, hey, fuck yeah, that's empowering to me. To some people, that's the opposite end of their spectrum. But uh, what I'm trying to make clear here is that whatever your personal opinion on someone else's body, keep that to yourself. It's really that simple. You have nothing to say about someone else's body, really, unless they've asked you for their, your opinion, you have nothing to say about their body. Even if you think it's a good body. You can obviously compliment people, and if you're sat there with your head in your hands going, you can't even compliment people nowadays, then you're a dick. And you should know the difference <laughs> between commenting on someone's body and paying someone a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. <clears throat> so I'm having the BBL surgery. Let's take you back. It's 2020 and I have my procedure booked in early in the year, maybe even December 2019. And I'm talking to everyone about it and I'm so excited about it. And countries start going into lockdown. And one day before I'm due to fly to Turkey, which is where I have opted to have my procedure, the country closes its borders. Oh, fuck. Honestly, it was, it was jarring as hell. I had to reschedule a whole few weeks of my life. I'd obviously set aside eight weeks for healing, expecting to have surgery abroad on this day. But now it's been rescheduled. So, but it's okay because when the fuck else am I going to have <laughs> three months over summer? where I have to stay inside my house and not do anything. I absolutely would have taken my fresh ass out on the town if it hadn't been for the lockdowns in 2020. So a double-edged sword, really. But um, looking back, I am kind of glad. I am kind of glad. I don't know if I'd have that discipline now because the healing is so very long 
Eight weeks. You can't sit down on that ass. Six to eight weeks, they say. So I went for the full eight weeks yards. Yep. And uh, that's it. I did it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> that is the aftermath of the surgery. What I have foregone mentioning is the pre-surgery. Um, I had lower than average fat deposits on my body. And for the procedure to be the most successful and have the highest chance of um, all the fat cells becoming established and having blood supplies in your new site area, your butt, um, you have to have lipid cells or fat cells of a certain size. So I had to gain some fat weight, um, which was tricky for me. My digestive system is absolute trash. So absorbing nutrients is a real nightmare. So yeah, I had to really slam the calories in. <clears throat> so it did make me a little nervous. Um, yeah, it did make me a little nervous. It was definitely a bit of a challenge on my mental health. Um, it was definitely something I wasn't used to. Um, but that was my personal reality, depending on your body and who you are and where you're at at the time. Um, will depend on whether you have to modify anything about your lifestyle pre-surgery. There could be, yeah, there could be a number of things. I also had to stop taking some of my medication. Um, I had to stop taking my contraceptive pill. And I also had to stop taking my antidepressants for a week. Um, I believe this is because medicine can interact with the general anesthetic. So something to just bear in mind before you book yourself in. There are some sacrifices, <laughs> including sitting down on the toilet. Oh my God, don't even talk to me. <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So here I am. My surgery has been rescheduled. Thankfully, it's been rescheduled to, well, maybe not thankfully. In the height of summer, July of 2020, I took a flight to Turkey, to uh, Izmir, that's right, in the south of Turkey, <laughs> where it was 35 degrees every day, oh my god, to get butt surgery. The whole experience I had was managed by a company called Mono, Mono Cosmetics. I've heard great things from other people about them, I've heard bad things from other people about them. It seems like a real variable experience. So I wish I could give you more information than that. Personally, I went under the influencer program. So that might have uh, influenced my experience. So, yeah. But the package that I had was the surgery itself plus one week's accommodation and food and care um, at what they call a post-surgery villa. You stay in a place that has maybe 10 rooms, under 10 rooms, and it's with all the other crazy people who have come to Turkey in the middle of summer to get their bodies sliced and diced. <laughs> 
it might sound like that's negative, but I think that sounds quite fun. Slice and dice, baby. Um, and you know what? Everyone else in the villa was lovely. Um, everybody spoke about what they had done, what they were having, their experience, their reasons for being there. It was genuinely really enjoyable to be amongst people who have had the same ponderings as me about their body and other people's opinions, mostly of their body and their choices. And it was really nice to be amongst people who feel the same way that I've explained here. So, yeah. Fuck you, Neggy Nellies. <laughs> so, amongst all these people, here I am. Pre-surgery. The day that I arrive in Turkey, I have to get my blood taken, um, my weight taken, my height taken. All of these things are used to make sure you are suitable and healthy to be put under a general anesthetic, which is the sleepy one. This procedure is quite, <clears throat> quite extreme on your body, so you have to be asleep for it to be done. Um, so all of that happens all good, all clear. I have this done at the clinic, which is um, like a little beautician, like a little um, studio place in the center of Izmir. It's all very, very beautiful. The whole place, the villa, everything. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...is warm and, oh, there's a pool, which I don't even get to use. <laughs> Except on the first day. On the first day, they take a few snaps for the before snaps, um, which was really cute. I got some cute little photos to use on the internet. Woo! <laughs> and uh, then I'm free. Free to have my last meal. No, wait. You have to stop eating, I think, from the the night before. It's bad that I can't remember. But yeah, nothing, no food, I think, at least 12 hours before the procedure. 
and no water an hour before, but you can still drink water. Um, and then away we go. I woke up on the morning of my procedure and I took one hell of a long shower. <gasps> I washed my hair. I washed everything. I shaved everything. I moisturized everything. I exfoliated everything. I did everything because post-surgery, you are not going to want to do that. <gasps> Slash won't be able to. I cannot emphasize this enough. <gasps> it was a ride. It was a ride for some time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there I am, clean as a whistle. And they take me over to, uh, I think that I believe they take me to the hospital. Yeah, we go to the hospital. And there's a little bit of a wait on the door because of the global pandemic that's currently going on. So they have the, the, uh, the temperature scanners. They've got some, I can't remember what this, the lateral flow test. That's what it's called. Everyone has to wear a mask. Everyone has to, you know, sanitize. It's it's a beautiful hospital there as well. You know, it had a it had a beautiful glass entranceway, and everything was almost glass apart from all the medical areas. But um, yeah, it honestly didn't feel like a hospital. I felt very well looked after, and I know this is a horrible thing to say as an English person, but everybody spoke English. Um, everybody understood me speaking English, um, which is incredibly important, making you feel comfortable and safe and heard, really. Because when somebody's fucking with your body, the last thing you want is a miscommunication. Imagine that. Don't imagine it. Don't. That's, that's playing right into that horrible, botched cosmetic surgery industry. Get that. Fucking trash out of here, bitch. <laughs> so where was I? I'm at the hospital. I'm having my blood pressure checked. I've got a bunch of wristbands on. Hell, festivals can move over. I had more wristbands. <laughs> but they're all for a certain use. They all have a reason, trust me. So if you have any allergies, you have to fill in a pre-surgery sheet. Um, you also have to sign a waiver and a declaration. Um, you have to sign two of these. One is for the general anesthetic and one is for the procedure itself. It's all, you're very protected. You feel very official. Um, <clears throat> several people come to talk to you. The person who's the general anesthesian will speak to you. Your surgeon will speak to you. You would have met them already. Um to discuss what you're expecting, really. They know everything. They squiggle on your body, which was really ticklish. <laughs> it was funny. Um, so after all of those things, after, I believe they put a cannula in your hand or your arm at this point too. Um, if you have a phobia of needles, it's definitely something to be aware of. <laughs> but um, that was it. And it was all so fast. I was definitely on my way to surgery before midday. And I was there from about 9, 9, 10. So I'm getting changed now. 
After all those checks, I'm putting on the sexy surgery gown. Uh, <laughs> I have to take out all my piercings, everything metal. This is to make sure that if anything were to happen and you needed to be um, shocked, then you basically wouldn't burn yourself. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? It's so interesting though. I find it really interesting. Some people find it scary, but I find it really interesting. But on the topic of that, as they're wheeling me down to the um, theater, um, my body, whilst I'm very calm in my mind and taking deep breaths and excited, I'm really excited. I allowed myself to get excited at this point um, because otherwise I probably would be a little bit scared. I have had a surgery before. I had my appendix removed when I was a teen, but... um. Cosmetic surgery does feel a little different to that, um, especially in a different country. Yeah, it's interesting. But um, here I am on the gurney in the lift. Everyone's chatting to me, super friendly. I'm being wheeled down. I always find it really funny that they have to wheel you down to the procedure. I don't know why. They, they just do. It feels weird to me. I'm lying. They're like, I can walk, you guys. <laughs> but... uh. No, they're wheeling me down. And my body goes into this sort of fight or flight response. Like everything is so crisp. I can remember the smells, the temperature. It was really nice and cool in there. Um, everything on the way down. I remember going through a double set of doors, um, which they then, um, it becomes like an airlock. And I think it's to sterilize the air and the environment. Um, yeah, like an airlock. And um, I feel myself suddenly well up with emotions. And there's another lady who is also going into um, the theater next to me who's coming through the airlock too. And she starts crying quite audibly. And I look at her and I smile. We don't speak um, any similar languages. So I couldn't really say anything to her, but um, I smile and I let her know that we sort of feel the same way. <clears throat> I didn't let myself cry. I sort of knew if I was going to, then it might, um, don't know, might influence me. Although it is important to remember that human bodies cry when they have to discharge extra hormones and stuff from your body. Cortisol, stuff like that, all comes out in your tears. So yeah, crying is not, not even, it doesn't need to be good or bad, it just is, so. That's how I felt as I was literally just about to go into the theater. So if you feel the same way, that's very normal. It's just a very overstimulating environment too, right? And it's somewhere novel that I've never been. And uh, yeah, the idea that I'm going to be put under a general anesthetic is a little just like unusual. So yeah, my body is in full, full hypervigilant mode which is totally fine because I'm managing to rationalize with myself, the nurses and my surgeon who's now in the theater. They've wheeled me on through. The big circular light is above me that you see in all the movies. Um, they've given me some sedative through the cannula that's in my arm. They're putting another cannula in my hand. Ouch, they hit a nerve. Oh, fuck, that hurt. Honestly, that was the most painful part 
of the whole experience. Whole eight weeks. It was bruised for fucking weeks. <gasps> Have you ever had a needle go into a nerve? Oh, fuck. I can't tell you how painful that was. It was right up my arm. Well, maybe it's a chronic illness thing. Who knows? Either way, they've got several ways of getting chemicals in and out of my body. I am, uh, yeah, I am, I'm sterilized on my stomach. <laughs> They'll probably do it again though. And um, whilst everyone is doing the final pre-surgery checks, I'm hooked up to the heart beeping machine. They got the, the breathing machine starting up behind me. They'll do that in a moment when I'm asleep, don't worry. <laughs> and then they've got the gas and air, which will turn to some other gas that just knocks me out. And it's really that quick, yeah. So when you're ready, they will ask you if you're ready. They'll put the mask on your face. They'll tell you to count from 10 backwards. <gasps> and I really recommend taking the deepest breaths possible because this is going to make it real fast. <laughs> You're going to be like <gasps> 10, 9, <gasps> 8, and you're fucking gone. Just like that. Two deep breaths is all it took. I don't even remember feeling that sort of real calmness coming over me. I was straight out like a light. I was like... <gasps> Dong. She's down. It was good. It was really good. I wish I could get to sleep like that. <laughs> I honestly think about it sometimes. Like, if someone could just put me out like that for a really good night's sleep, well, that would be really nice, please. But, uh, lo and behold, no. <laughs> cool fact. I think it's cool. General anesthetic is made by mixing several chemicals and um, injecting them into the human body. We understand chemically what these bodies do, well, what these chemicals do to our body, and I believe, um, but what we don't understand is how these chemicals put us in the state, the same state as being in a deep sleep, i.e. a state that's deep enough to not be roused by pain, by being cut open on trauma um <clears throat> but light enough for you to remain alive you know for you to be able to come back round lo and behold maybe with a little shot of adrenaline or whatever but uh yeah they don't understand what they do what those chemicals alter in human consciousness to keep you in that state they don't know where do we go where do we go when we fall asleep where do we go under general anesthetic is it like dmt it's, it's fucking interesting. It's fucking interesting. And I don't know half enough about it to continue speaking about it anymore. But <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully we'll learn more in my lifetime. No, <clears throat> uh, I want to know. I have to know. Anyway, that is the entire pre-surgery story. Wow. A lot does happen. It is quite the overstimulating experience, I'll tell you that. But uh, just keep calm. Keep the end in sight, and before you know it, you're waking up at 8 p.m. in your hotel, not in your hotel room, in your hospital room. That is basically a hotel room, which is lovely. You've been settled in there pre-surgery. All your belongings are there, and they basically just leave you alone to sleep it off, which I did. Some people can react adversely to general anesthetic. For me, that meant 
vomiting, <laughs> lots of sick. I if I drank too much water, oh, it's coming back. I uh, I stumbled over to a tray of food the lady brought to my room. I don't know when, and I was like, oh, some almonds. I'll chew on these almonds. Oh God, they're so dry. Chug some water, and um, I lay back down. Nope, absolutely not. Not happening. Projectiled that out of my body. I tried a stick of cucumber and and that tasted really nice when it came back up, but it still came back up. <laughs> oh, it's really frustrating when you're so dehydrated. But my best advice to you is sleep. Just sleep. While you're in hospital, it's totally fine to just sleep. Until they come back to your hotel room and they uh, wake you up. Hello. And uh, they say it's time to go back to the house. Honestly, it, it felt like a few hours that I was in the hospital, but it was certainly 24 hours at the least, if not a little bit longer. By the time I got back to the recovery house, it was definitely the afternoon of the day afterwards. Um, and I was pretty much still in that same very sleepy, <laughs> very swollen state. I have pictures of my face. Uh, <laughs> it's a little puffy, puffy face. And I'll tell you, that puffiness extended to every area of my body. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> More on this later. So we swing by the pharmacy on the way home from the hospital to the recovery house. I've got some painkillers, I've got some antibiotics, and I've got some other painkillers, I think. Uh, uh, unfortunately, they are in Turkish, so. But the lovely people at the house to translate it for me, to make sure my dosages and everything was correct. So that was all good. So, <laughs> back at the recovery house. There's several things that need to happen. I, first of all, Need a wee. Mm -hmm. So I, what I need to do for this to happen is I need to be able to take off my outer clothes, which are on me over my surgical garment, which has been on my body since I had come out of surgery. Um, and thankfully, they leave a little hole where you can do your number ones, hassle, effectively hassle-free. I had a bit of a fright <laughs> because all of the swelling in my body literally dropped down to my vulva. <laughs> oh my God. It was so swollen and bruised and sore. And oh my God, I, yep. Thankfully I was warned, somebody warned me. <laughs> but shit, <laughs> that would have been a shock. Yeah, all the swelling goes away, thankfully. And the bruising because I was purple from literally my tits down to my knees. Front and back, sides, purple with bruises and swelling. It was crazy. But thankfully that first week went without a hitch. Phew. So I can just resume my position of lying face down on the bed in front of the air conditioner. That is honestly all you can really do. I've also got a banging headache at this point because I'm the most dehydrated ever. So I'm trying to chug water still feeling a bit nauseous but just do your best honestly do your best and this first day that you get back be kind to yourself like 
take it slow. Don't stay in bed all day. You definitely need to use the bathroom, etc. <laughs> it's also very important, my friends, I was told, that after your surgery, you can't go 24 hours or more. You shouldn't go 24 hours without taking a poop. Mm-hmm. General anesthetic can also really fuck with your digestion. It, uh, it puts all your organs in this sort of sleep state. So nothing's going on in there. And uh, that can cause some problems. So if you don't feel like anything's going on in there, you're going to need to give it some help by whatever means necessary. I personally bought some laxatives with me. Yay. <laughs> and uh, they worked a treat. Charming. <laughs> so this is a little more tricky because you might have recalled that I mentioned earlier you can't sit down on your ass, not even on the toilet. Hell no, bitches. You be squatting. Yeah. We be squatting. Mm-hmm. Whether you're forwards, backwards, I don't care. But you're going to need to be taking that surgical garment off, otherwise known as a faha. Your body, suit, faha, surgical garment, that's coming off. And you're squatting over the toilet. Have fun. <laughs> baby wipes to your friend. Just treat yourself so kindly like a, like a nice soft baby. Get some nice moisturizer on your skin. Oh, it's great. Don't take a shower at this point. Unfortunately, you cannot shower until 48 hours after your procedure. This is to ensure that the incision sites are closed enough because they are very deep incisions and you do not want to get any bacteria in there whatsoever and um to make sure your dressings are can come off basically the dressings are covering your surgery sites um and those are the things you don't want to get wet so baby wipes <laughs> you can use them all over just not on the bandages um, to freshen yourself up, but realistically, you're going to feel like a big log of shit for the first 48 hours, so don't really worry. You've had that nice big shower, so hopefully you're still kind of fresh. Just be real kind to yourself. Eat, drink. It's incredibly important that you maintain um, your current body fat percentage whilst recovering from a, any fat transfer procedure. If your lipid cells change size or become unstable, I don't know if that's a thing. I made that up. I'm sorry. But if they change size, then there's a much higher chance of your fat cells rejecting and they will simply be flushed out of your body via your via your wee. See you later. And um, you don't want that because you want them to stay where you've just put them. You've just done all that hard work. Why? Why would you risk it? Don't risk it. Maintain your body fat percentage. Maintain your hydration levels optimally. Maintain a healthy digestive system. Maintain a healthy skin and good personal hygiene. I bought a bunch of CBD butter to rub into my skin every day. Oh, I mean every fucking day. And I had a wash every day. I'm saying that because I don't do that every day now. But every day, very gentle. Not always with soap, but always with water. You need to be removing any crust buildup. <coughs> Excuse me. Any seepage, which may still even be occurring from your 
incision sites. Um, <clears throat> don't obviously moisturize over them until they have stopped doing that. And um, yeah, you want to be treating that body as good on the outside as you do on the inside and vice versa because generally, you know, we let ourselves down on one or the other. But uh, yeah, lots of healthy, healthy goodness for the next eight weeks. <laughs> that also means no smoking, folks. Smoking is hugely restrictive on your cardiovascular system and will absolutely result in more fat cells being lost because they just won't be able to establish a blood supply in time and they'll die. That's, that's the realness. Same with your hydration. If you're not hydrated, your blood cells going around your body are just all crunched up and crinkly, yo. Your skin's going to be like paper, crunchy, and that healing is not going to go well. Those wounds are going to stay open for longer. You're more at risk of infection, more at risk of something called fat necrosis, um, which is where on mass the fat cells do not establish a blood supply and they die. And that can be really gnarly, like... That can be a real serious situation where you need to go to a hospital and have treatment. So, yeah, very rare, but very real. Mm. So, yeah, here I am, 48 hours after my cosmetic procedure. I'm wandering around my room every four hours. I've got alarm set on my phone and there's like a big fluffy rug in my room. Thankfully, I had a lovely room to recover in. I so recommend getting some time and getting a nice space. Even if you get your own Airbnb, just make sure you have someone there to help you because you will 100% need help. Um, you can't lift anything for goodness sake. Yeah, right. That goes with a lot of cosmetic procedures. So make sure you have assistance wherever you are. But I super recommend getting a large, cool space that you can have some privacy but also have some interaction maybe some daylight and get all the supplies you need for a whole week in there get them as close to you as humanly possible water for days for days for days and yeah just shuffle around that little square carpet a few times every four hours to keep your blood circulation going um compression socks Real good too. You'll have some of those on while you're having surgery, but I also recommend getting your own. It's a little expensive getting all the things that are, is recommended for your BBL surgery or other cosmetic surgery. Uh, I found out that this big list of things by watching other people's videos on YouTube. There are actually some great videos about what you need to bring. That seems to be the only area that I found <laughs> well stocked in videos so yeah get some of those into your eyeballs and earballs earballs ear holes hole <laughs> and yeah half of the things I brought I actually didn't need um some of the absorption things puppy pads and um sanitary pads I didn't need as much I didn't have as much seepage oh god that's a sexy word isn't it Fuck. <laughs> Seepage wasn't that high. I'm pleased to report. <laughs> but everyone's body is different. So I really recommend getting everything they recommend. Double recommend. Way. 
Um, so that's sort of your life for the next week, uh, post-surgery, until your flight home. If you get surgery abroad, of course. If you get it in the UK or uh, you have a, an amazing clinic near you. But uh, a lot of people find they'll be flying after surgery. And this is okay so long as you are cleared by your doctor, your surgeon. You will receive a signed letter directly from your surgeon. This will be given to you at your post-op appointment where they basically look at your wounds, take your after photos and um, make sure you're happy with everything, really. They give you a couple of dressings, etc. Um, and give you advice for the flight home, which is uh, make sure you have a cushion. This special BBL cushion is... Just like, <laughs> it's like a wedge, a oblong wedge. And you just hang your ass off the back. You, a bit like you're sat on, you know those bus stops that have got the skinny seats. Just hang your ass off the back, down the gap. And uh, that hopefully will reduce the pressure that you put on the fat transfer site. Because this pressure, plus friction, and all that heat is very bad for your freshly transplanted fat cells. So be really kind to them. Don't be slapping your ass and things like this. Don't be getting your ass too hot. You all right? Like keep it nice and cool and honestly treat it like a baby. Treat Your ass is basically a baby now. It's more expensive than a baby <laughs> at this time. Babies in the long run are certainly more expensive. But um, hey, <laughs> we all choose different things in life. <laughs> So, yeah, BBL cushion. They're a little pricey. I'll tell you this. I was looking on the internet. Some of them are like £100. Fuck that. You can achieve the same result with two yoga blocks. Uh, it's obviously not as good, but you can. That's the fact. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what happened to me on my flight home. I don't know what god of cosmetic surgery was blessing me this day but I, um, first of all I had a whole row of seats to myself I had three seats yes three seats on a four-hour flight for which I could lay down on my belly and try to sleep obviously I'm so chronically dehydrated my head is pounding and I'm cursing everyone out on this plane but I did have three seats and I got to lay face down and I got some kip I got some kip on that flight and God fucking dog ass butt bless whatever booty God was looking down on me that day like Jesus not him maybe not him I'm sure there's I'm sure there's other <laughs> biblical figures that are more appreciative of the ass maybe not maybe that's why organized religion is a bit shit all hell the church of the booty <laughs> so yeah me and my three seats on my flight home from Turkey, which is also rammed with other humans who have had cosmetic procedures. Honestly, there's people like me with BBLs, people who have drains, not necessarily drains, but uh, bandages on their chests where they've had their drains taken out from boob implants. There's plenty of men who have had hair transplants and they've got that funny texture skin on the front of their head until it heals. Uh, there's people who have the whitest, glowingest smiles, good me if we had crashed in the ocean and these people had simply smiled they would have found us momentarily 
it was it was beautiful it was honestly a plane full of people who were a bit worse for wear but over the fucking moon about it it was a strange combo <laughs> but i really enjoyed it it's definitely something to be said for the masochist within me being in pain if it's for a good reason like you've done exercise or they've had a procedure i find it makes me a little bit giddy with happiness do you get that is that just me <laughs> <gasps> definitely a masochist like oh god there's no denying it sexy though it's sexy and now i got an ass so you know <laughs> and then my wonderful friend big shout out to her jane good lord i fucking love that woman she comes and picks me up at the airport she's the first human being in the uk to just set eyes on this gorgeous new ass of joy and it's so fun and I lay down <laughs> face first on her back seats all the way home I recommend you do the same because the BBL cushion is not the one fuck that like just lay on your front lay on your front as much as you can lay on your front for all of your recovery you can buy things to lay on your back and it's got a sort of a hole cut out um but I didn't use any of that. What I feared is that I would end up staying there too long and then my ass or legs would go numb anyway and cut off the blood supply. I was, I just, I know I just slagged off organized religion, but my recovery, that was my organized religion, y'all. Oh my fuck. Oh, it was, uh, it was obsessive. It was obsessive, but it was a, it was a discipline, I suppose, more than obsessive. And you know what? I've spent all this money on this nice thing. I'm going to keep it nice. Hey, if you get your carpet done in your house, you don't let people walk all over it with their muddy shoes, do ya? Boundaries, friends. Boundaries with all things. Um, Yeah. That's sort of the end of the tale of the ass. <laughs> the tail end of the ass tale. That's a good one, isn't it? I'm going to call the episode that. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm going to leave that as a surprise for anyone that gets this far into my ramble. Oh. So here I am today coming to you through your ear holes with a big, juicy, jiggly, twerkable BBL ass. Like I said uh, in the beginning, the rest of my recovery was very much in my house in lockdown mode. I binged all four seasons of Mr. Robot. On Amazon Prime, very good. Very especially the last episode. Oh my god, redistribute the wealth. Back on track, back on back on track. So yeah, I think that was a blessing. I a few okay, there's a couple of things that happened during this long recovery. You will notice that your body as the swelling goes down shrinks, and the surgical garment that you left your surgery in will probably become too loose. You don't want this to happen. You must get a stage two faha or surgical garment. Um, this 100% must have nothing or at least very light compression on the ass cheeks and also on your hips. Remember that if you've had transferred to your hips. Um, do not sleep on your side either, for goodness sake. Your beautiful hips. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, ramp up that compression anytime you can. Anyway, you notice that your uh, um, garment is pressing into your skin. You can buy something called post-lipo foam, post-surgical lipo foam. And it's like a very dense, very good quality foam that you can have against your body 
and it will stop that indentation. Basically, it just it's just soft and dreamy and great. And yeah, that's that's sort of it. Keep up the health. Keep up the hydration. Keep up the stress levels low. Keep the skin in good condition inside and out everywhere you are. Arnica is great for the bruising. Uh, you can resume taking your medications now. It's up to you when you start smoking again after the procedure, like I laid out for you. It's totally a choice because, you know, whenever you choose to go back, it directly impacts how your blood vessels will form new capillaries. So that's just the facts, y'all. I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm trying to think to the Q&A that I did after this or directly after my procedure. I, I can't think too much of any more questions that I got. Um, it was just a lot of showing people sort of the, the journey of my body healing really. The bruising was the most intense thing. If you if you really, yeah, if you really expect your body to be back to normal within a few weeks, you might be in for a bit of a shock, because your your internals actually do continue to change for I think up to a year. My body has one hundred percent changed from that first week where I came home from Turkey to the next year to even now. Um, it's coming up on two years, is it? Oh, fuck, yeah. It'll be year three this year. Really? Oh, my God, that's insane. Yeah, it will be, though. July 2023, my ass is three years old. <gasps> Let's have a birthday party for it. I'll do a cake sitting. You're all invited. <laughs> hey, Andy. Yep. Also, if you have pets, beware of them standing on your ass or wherever your fat transfer site may be. You do not want little pockets of tiny pores, bruises, and making little pockets of blood, of fat cells die, honestly. You, yeah. When, when you have the procedure and you're trolling through the forums, some people have let the strangest things happen to them in recovery, and then they are, and yeah, and it really does make an impact. Yeah. Um, I do advise, I can't remember what the website was, but if you Google cosmetic surgery community, there's a great forum where people discuss, without judgment, um, all cos cosmetic procedures. There's also surgeons on there. Beware, people will try and solicit to you. Um, they'll try and obviously tell you that you shouldn't go to this person, you should go to them instead. So keep your wits about you at all times. It is very much a capitalist private industry. Um, <clears throat> but... Whoever you go with should make you feel comfortable and in control and not push your limits or boundaries in any way. Um, but definitely stick to your guns. If there's something that you want done and uh, the surgeon is only an hour about it, I specifically insisted that my surgeon um, use the fat cells from higher up my back because he didn't mark up all of my back initially. And I was like, no, please do, because I know my weight will change in the future and um, that's something that I know I'm going to think about. So I definitely want that. I insist upon that. You're the one paying the money. You're the one in control. You're the one with your finger on the trigger. So yeah, I empower thee to go forth and fuck with thine body in any way that you see wish.
bodily autonomy for the fucking win. Woo woo woo. <laughs> uh, I get really excited about it. Honestly, something I really enjoyed about getting cosmetic surgery is that it pissed people off. And if I modify my body, my body, and it pisses off other people, what the fuck? So, you know, take your negativity and be miserable over there. It's the same as anything. You, you are you, and anything that is yours, your body, your life, your choices, that's all within your control. Fuck what anyone else says, okay? <laughs> all right, beautiful humans. That's me. That's my tale. If you have any, if you want to chat to me about it further, I, or actually I do have some photos. I'll post them on my Instagram story in this coming week. Um, if you're interested, because they're not on the internet right now. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Have a bootylicious rest of your day. <laughs> Beautiful humans. Mwah. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.